0: So what do you think a podcast where we discuss weird and unsolved mysteries and events and give you our completely unprofessional opinion on them I'm Jay and with me here is B Hi That's daytime and you know what that means <laughs> uh, <laughs> It is time for a creepy one And we're going to talk tonight about a fairly well-known case of possible possession So are you ready Yeah sure <laughs> All right. Have you seen the movie or or should I say heard of the movie? Because I know you probably haven't seen it, called The Exorcism of Emily Rose. I've seen it. You actually have seen it? Yeah. Did you know that it is based yeah. on a story? Mm. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Well, look, the, the movie took a lot of creative licence, as these movies do. Mm-hmm. But the bones of it is that it was based on a true story of a girl called Anna Elizabeth, or also known as Annalise Michelle. Didn't so, we do this one? No, we've done Roland Doe, which was about the exorcist real story. This one's a little bit okay. different. So now it's such a popular story because of the exorcism performed on Annalise and the fact that it, well, it was found to have caused her death, basically. Yeah. Eventually, her death was from malnutrition and dehydration. So they just like went hard with the whole exorcism thing for way too long. Mm. There were in all 67 exorcisms performed on Annalise and many were actually recorded. Um, I will put a link in the show notes. I won't play them for you here today um, because I don't want you to die. Uh, (laughs) But. Yeah, I'll put the link in the show notes. They are in German because this is a German case, but you'll get the gist. You'll hear her voice. It's pretty scary. (sighs) So the case is extremely horrifying. Uh, The recordings are disturbing. They go on for about an hour and a half. So it's a lot. So just be ready if you want to listen to it. So, first, I guess first, let's just revisit our thoughts on possession, and we have spoken about this in the past. So, just a a brief synopsis. Personally, I'm open to the whole evil entity thing for sure. Um, I think I've said before I don't believe in God or Satan per se, but you know, or at least not the religious versions of them anyway. For me, there's good and evil in the world. Um, Evil to me is a very human thing, uh, and you know because we see so many bad things in the world, I think that's where he, where evil lies. I mean, people that hurt children, that's evil, you know. People mm. that torture animals, that's evil. Mm-hmm. Leaders that want to commit genocide, that's definitely evil, you know. As far as entities, I think that they're, they're likely like manifestations of this evil in the world. You hear of so many stories, not only of like demon hauntings and evil entities terrorising people, But you also hear about mysterious good things, too, like random strangers that help at crash sites or, you know, warn of a tragedy and then they just vanish. So I think there's kind of manifestations of both in the world. So I think that there are things we don't really understand yet about the universe and perhaps some sort of alternate alternate realm or realms where these things exist, maybe. I don't know. I'm just happy to admit that there's some weird shit going on out there and I don't know what it is. As for Possession... I actually had a pretty full on thing happen to me when I was 17 and I was living in that really haunted house that we've spoken about before. Like I've said before, I was going through some stuff and I was really vulnerable at the time and there was a lot that happened in that house. But one night some shit went down that just sort of haunts me to this day. Um, The base of it was that I woke up with sleep paralysis and there were like two... Entities we'll call them standing at the end of my bed, and I still have their faces burned into my mind because they were so horrific and I couldn't move, I was frozen, I could feel them trying to sort of get into me. Um, and then I knew they were seeing how far they would go. So, like things like my arms were getting lifted without me doing it above my head. And then, you know, I would mentally fight it and get back control all night. I just kind of felt them experimenting in a way to see what they could get control of, and it was really horrific. So And I'm sure there's going to be people who say I was dreaming or having a night terror or whatever. I've had night terrors my entire life. This was different. Night terrors are fairly quick and they tend to go away once you wake yourself up. They usually aren't interactive either. So, yeah, I guess what I'm saying is I'm open to possession being a thing. So I don't know. What what are your thoughts just briefly? I know we've spoken about it before. Um, I can't remember what I've thought in the past. I think you've said that you sort of believe that that sort of thing exists.
1: Yeah, because I don't think I've necessarily had that sort of experience, but I have had other weird memory, spiritual experiences where almost like I can, I don't know how to explain it, like I have very vivid memories of almost like a past life, I guess. So I can't really be, um, can't rule it out because I've had weird experiences or I have weird memories of things that I know didn't happen to me but were so, they're so vivid in my memory that they did happen to me, if that makes sense. So Yeah,
0: it's like you didn't, you don't remember experiencing it but you do at the same time.
1: Yeah, yeah. So although it wasn't necessarily like a evil thing, um although it was a bad feeling it's yes so it's a different kind of a different experience but almost the same the same similar in ways so
0: yeah
1: um i don't rule out the whole possession type of thing um i do think that maybe it may be more likely to happen to people who are more vulnerable maybe Mm -hmm at different times in their life. So I think think
0: there needs to be a vulnerability there.
1: Yeah.
0: And I'm not saying that these sort of evil manifestations or entities are always, you know, sort of floating around us, waiting for their opportunity. But it's almost as though if you're going through something and you're experiencing negativity yourself, you almost become a beacon to it sometimes.
1: Yeah, most Um, definitely.
0: I think that that was the case when I was younger and I had all this happen because it started off with a really, bad house haunting and Mm. I think that whatever it was just sort of was already there in the house and just sort of sensed my vulnerability and latched onto it so yeah I know I I, you know I, I I don't know I mean like like we've said a million times before I'm not a religious person I don't believe in God and the devil I don't believe in you know religious stuff but I think that the intention behind it sometimes can be enough to Like, for example, you know, people that I do believe that people do get these possession situations sometimes and priests will pray over them and they'll say Christian stuff and it will help because I think it's the intention behind it more than anything rather than the words, you know. Mm. So I think it's also possible that many possession cases are mental health disorders as well. Um, I mean, severe schizophrenia, we're talking, you know, it can look a lot, lot like this at times and it's really only been, in the last century, that it's been recognized as a mental illness. Like a hundred years ago, if you were having hallucinations and delusions, probably you were thought of as being possessed or something along those lines, you know. So I can I think I can understand this that you know the Catholic Church has now applied a criteria so that you know certain things need to be met, certain boxes need to be ticked in order to be a possession because they now recognise that mental health stuff is a thing. But, yeah, did you know about this? So the, the Catholic Church, their official stance is, no, we don't do exorcisms, we don't, you know, we don't go for that stuff anymore, but apparently there is this criteria and if you meet this criteria, they will help you. Have you heard about this before? No. So the criteria are the person speaks in a language not known to them before. Mm-hmm. Knowing where and what hidden things are. So, for example, you might bring in, I don't know, a, a watch and put it in your back pocket, and then go into the room and say, "What have I got in my back pocket?" And they'll know that it's a watch, you know, things like that. And also, displaying a physical strength that is really just not right for that individual is another one as well. So, so people need to show these criteria before the Catholic Church will take it seriously. And I think that's fair enough as far as criteria goes. So, you know, those things are not something you would usually see with schizophrenia for sure. Mm -hmm. So anyway, let's talk about Annalise. So Annalise was born on the 21st of September 1952 and she was 23 years old when she died in 1976. As you can probably work out, she was German. She was born and raised in Bavaria. Her family were devout Catholics and went to mass at least twice a week. Now, when she was 16, one day at school, she just blacked out suddenly. When she came to, she was completely out of it and had no memory of what had happened whatsoever. Now nothing else happened for the next year or so, but then one morning she woke up and she was really, really sleepy, almost like she's in a trance and she'd wet the bed. She discovered that she'd wet the bed. Now it was at this stage that she then went and had her first seizure. So I I feel like probably when she blacked out the year before, she potentially was having a seizure then too. So For starters, we've got someone here who's got something abnormal happening with their brain. Mm -hmm. So off to the neurologist she goes and she is diagnosed with temporal lobe epilepsy. Now, this is a type of epilepsy that not only causes seizures, but can result in visual and auditory hallucinations as well. Also memory loss. So I suppose it damages your temporal lobe every every time you have a seizure. Mm. So one of the features of temporal lobe epilepsy is that quite often um, it leads to something called Gershwin syndrome. Now, this is a condition that has been found to cause symptoms such as hyperreligiosity, hyposexuality, irritability, and something called hypergraphia, which is where someone has the compulsion to write continuously. So let's just like unpack that for a moment, I think. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's a lot, right?
1: Yes, that is.
0: I feel like if Gershwin syndrome is really caused by temporal lobe epilepsy and is really a true medical condition, then this is probably going to account for most of the possession cases throughout history, right? I mean, it's a really... Yes, she's nodding. Remember, you they can't see you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's a really weird set of symptoms, though, don't you reckon? Like, that's a bizarre set of symptoms. The non-stop writing yeah so strange hyper religiosity as well like very specific very specific very, yeah I'd love to see some scientific research on whether brain imaging has been done in these people and you know see whether or not they've got the same area of their temporal load being affected <laughs> it's the religious section the religious yeah, where section. is that located <laughs> yeah I don't think I have that one <laughs> that's a bit <laughs> out of my brain um, or is this just a condition that has been ascribed based on symptoms alone? Have they been, you know, it's a bit of a chicken and the egg situation. Do we have
1: like... Is all these a, people- yeah, is this a mental health issue or is this a religious possession issue? What yeah, and they've are? just gone, mm,
0: all these people seem to be doing the same thing. We don't want to say that they're really possessed, but let's just group all of those weird symptoms together and give it a name. <laughs> Mr. Gershwin, he came up with it.
1: It's
0: like, yes, that's Gershwin syndrome, don't you? Yeah. 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 So I feel like it could be either, you know, at this point. But anyway, Annalise is diagnosed and put on medication, but it just doesn't work and she seems to get worse over time. She begins to see the face of the devil everywhere and she says, says that she hears demons talking to her, telling her that she was damned to rot in hell whenever she went to pray. She also couldn't be anywhere near a cross or holy water. She became convinced that she was possessed. And so she was actually the first one to suggest it. And I think a lot of the times with these possession cases, we have family members sort of realising that something's gone wrong. But for her, it's like, I feel like I'm possessed. Somebody needs to help me, you know, which I think is quite different to other cases. Hmm. So she does what any good Catholic who believes that they are possessed does and goes to the church for help. Of course, though, they turn her away and go tell her to go back to the doctor. This makes her illness escalate big time. Some things that she starts doing from this point. She would constantly rip her clothes off. She would bark like a dog for days. She would eat coal. She would eat spiders. And she would pee on the floor and then lick up her own urine. She also grabbed a bird and bit the head off it. So, yeah, thoughts on what's going on to our Annalise at this time? So Ozzy was possessed, Hey, Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah. I think that they've decided, like, he's come out and said he thought it was a fake bat,
1: so. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was it a bat? I don't think he did it with a bat. I thought he did it with a bird. That, that was... was a bat. I heard it was a bat. Oh, I can't but, remember. yeah, like,
0: what is going on with Annalise, do you think? It's a lot, like that's a lot even just for epilepsy, right?
1: That's very out there. That's a whole
0: personality change. Oh, yeah. I just, yeah. Can you imagine being the parents? You'd just be at a loss. Like what the hell? What the hell is going on here? I mean, clearly she's unwell. Um, you know, people just don't tend to just start doing these things randomly in their life. So, no. so by this stage her family is like, okay, no, please, we need help. Um, and they go about to try and find a priest that would actually help her. And finally, they do come across one. They come across uh, Ernest Alt, who takes one look at her and is just like, yeah, yeah, this is not any epileptic that I have ever seen. Mm. I think that you might have an actual case of possession here. So he petitions to the church to let him do an exorcism. And um, he gets a local bishop called Joseph Strang to back him up and, you know, eventually permission is granted and they go in and they start trying to exorcise her. A local priest who I guess has expertise in these areas, also called Arnold Wrens, is also commissioned to come along and help. Because apparently you need extra training to be an exorcist, it's not just any old priest, it's like, it's like (laughs) (laughs) post-grad. grad for priests, you've got to train further to become a exorcist. The c- Catholic church are a bit like, okay, we get where you're coming from. We know you want to help, but let's just like keep this between us. Like, let's just not tell anyone that that's what you're doing. You know, there's still quite a bit of taboo around exorcisms at the time. So
1: yeah. um,
0: they go about and do it. And like we said, 67 exorcisms lasting over 10 months, each going up to four hours each. So that's a lot. I feel like if you weren't crazy before you started the exorcisms, you would be after that. Yeah. Throughout these sessions, Annalise says that she's possessed by six demons, Lucifer, Cain, Judas, Adolf Hitler, Nero, and Fleischmann, who was a disgraced priest, apparently. Now, like I said, you can listen to some of the excerpts of these sessions and it's just like kind of growling, talking in a voice that doesn't sound like a young girl, standard exorcism stuff. Yeah it's, I mean, it's pretty frightening. Now, something I don't want to say is funny. Now, something I don't want to say funny because it's not, but the demons would actually often argue with each other. Like at one point Hitler was like, people are stupid as pigs. They think it's all over after death. It goes on. And then Judas is like, um, Hitler, you've got a big mouth, mate. And you actually have no real say over what goes on in hell. So like, In her, they're fighting with each other, like talking to each other. Multiple personality. Yeah. It does get a little bit into that territory, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, imagine hearing that. But, yeah, you're right. Like I think we we call it dissociative identity disorder now.
1: Yeah.
0: There's actually I reckon probably 50-50 split on whether um, like psychologists and things actually believe that it is a thing that exists. Yeah. It's not. It's not a hard, fast rule that DID actually exists. So, but I guess back then, you know, maybe people were thinking that. Mm. Annalise would come through too at times and say that she felt that she had to die alone for the sins of wayward youth and bad priests in the modern church. So she was kind of almost trying to martyr herself. Mm. So I guess if she was possessed, she wasn't really helping her situation by saying this. So, you know. In between sessions, she would continuously kneel in prayer to the point where she actually broke her knees and tore the tendons off the bones as well. And even after that happened, it didn't stop her. She'd just completely be like up, down, up, down, kneeling. During the sessions, Annalise got so violent that she'd need to be physically restrained. Over time, she stopped eating and drinking. And on July 1st, 1976, she passed away from malnutrition and dehydration. And... After that, that's when the story kind of begins because people start to hear about it, um, charges are oppressed. So,
1: yeah, thoughts on her actual situation
0: and whether or not she
1: could have been possessed. Well, it's one of two things. She's either got a very severe mental disorder or she was possessed. So Yeah, yeah. I don't know. What are you tending towards? I don't know. Um, I don't really know enough about exorcisms other than from the exorcist and from the movie about her. Mm. Um, and so that's like two stories and in one of them the demon is exorcised and then in the other one it's not so Mm -hmm. I don't know what's the average of successful exorcisms I know like I guess like
0: I sort of latch on to little details with these things like for me it's like the names of the demons that were in her were all very quite well-known names So were these people that she personally would have known of if it was a real demon, wouldn't they have had like demony names? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Little things like that. Um, And the fact that even when she was lucid and she didn't seem to be possessed in between, she was still doing crazy stuff, like kneeling down until she broke her knees. Like to me that speaks more to a mental illness. And I don't know whether it was like happening at the same time as a possession. But
1: I think that she was definitely
0: very mentally unwell.
1: And when I think of the possession, I think of not an evil person, but an evil entity. Hmm. So, yeah, don't get me wrong, Hitler was pretty bloody bad. But
0: yeah. He was definitely a representation of evil. In yeah,
1: but I don't think of him as a spiritual entity.
0: No. Do you the way it's portrayed him?
1: in, yeah, like it's portrayed in, the um, the exorcist it's a evil it's a demon it's an evil spirit
0: yeah exactly so yeah I don't know they're they're the little details that kind of make me doubt the possession side of things Um, and it certainly does feel as though she wasn't sort of like an innocent oh my god I've just been taken over by evil I want to get better person she was like I know I deserve this sort of situation Like I am going to be a martyr for
1: the sins of the world sort of thing. So,
0: yeah, I don't know. It kind of gives me pause a little bit.
1: Yeah, that to me sort of isn't. And that's not like the evil evil people in her saying that. That's her saying that.
0: Mm, Yes, yes. But that being said, we weren't there and we didn't hear if she had another language, if she was physically too strong, you know, all of those things. Like we never witnessed that. We've got the recordings and her voice does sound horrific, but mm. you know, who's to say how much of that she could have put on herself? I don't know. Mm. Um, I mean, nonetheless, it's incredibly sad. And and as, you know, far as the question was she possessed goes, I mean, I'm just I'm just not willing to make that call. I don't know. It just doesn't feel like when we did Roland Doe, that felt like, holy shit, there's this little boy who You know, he's all just all of a sudden accosted by these forces and he's definitely Mm -hmm. showing signs and shit's flying around everywhere and it's hectic, you know, like it felt more real. Mm -hmm. Um, The recordings are very compelling, though, Um, and I wouldn't say no altogether. I'm certainly not ruling it out. I think it's just a bit more of an unknown in this case. This story is notorious for another reason, and that is, like I said, the parents and the priests were actually charged with negligent homicide Um, the priests were were found guilty of manslaughter and given a six-month suspended sentence and three years probation. The parents actually claimed an interesting exemption, which is part of the German law, and that is that they couldn't be punished as they had suffered enough, which is really interesting. (laughs) Don't you reckon? Like, that's an interesting law to have. Like, they'd been through enough. They'd lost their daughter, so we're not going to bother prosecuting them for essentially
1: leading to her death you know like it's a bit bizarre to me yeah no yeah definitely um, but at the same time like they are in a position where they don't know what the heck is going on mm. they probably reach the end of their tether they don't know what else to do and where else to turn and also like we're talking about devout
0: catholics here yeah like they're going to defer to the priests that you know yeah. the priests are these authorities in their life of
1: And by the sounds of it, they did also try and get help from, you know, going to the neurologist to see the neurologist and stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's just that
0: I think everyone I think it's like a mass hysteria sort of thing, you know, like Mm. you just get caught up in it. And then it's like we've gone too far now. We can't stop because like doing all of these exorcisms has probably made her even more mentally unwell. So what do we just stop and remove that support of these people that are the only people that are trying to help us? You know, like it it must, I can see how they got caught up in the moment and just didn't realize that that was going to be the outcome. Look, like I've said, I'm not really sure if she was really possessed at all, but either way, she was extremely unwell. And even if she was possessed, she was visibly deteriorating right in front of the eyes of multiple adults. Even if you couldn't get her to eat or drink, you know, take her to the hospital, get her put on an IV. You know, there are things you can do. But like I said, I'm saying that as an outsider. I wasn't there. I wasn't caught up in the hysteria. Ten months is a really long time to be going through this. And I just think, I think that the grown ups in this situation did fail her. Yeah. Uh, for sure. So something that's important to remember, I think, in this case is that she convinced other people that she was possessed and needed an exorcism, not the other way around. I think that's what makes it different as well. Yeah. Um, you know like, and and very little was known about mental illness at the time now we would recognize the signs of psychosis and you know we we also have new different medications that we can try and that sort of thing so yeah. i wonder if if she was existing nowadays you know and whether or not she got the support she needed whether it would have gone that far
1: probably. well no the stuff that she was like doing now i mean probably is, is relatively normal well I don't know It'd about be, There would be a lot more like um, barking like a dog. Yeah. I know it's just a phase.
0: Well, yeah. I think that you'd look at it in the context. Like, obviously, like now I work in mental health and I do deal with people that are schizophrenic. And I think that it would have gone along the lines of she would have started going, Oh, I'm starting to hear voices and they're telling me that I'm going to hell. And mm. that would have been recognized straight away as psychosis. Like, then she would have been assessed for that sort of, like if it was nowadays, she would have been assessed for a psychotic yeah. yeah. And then, you know, once she went back home and she starts doing things like eating bugs and peeing on the floor and licking it up and that, inpatient facility, 100%, she, she would have been yeah. taken to the, to the mental hospital, you know. Like yeah. I just think that there would have been a lot more support for her these days than there would have been back then. And, you know, you've got a religious family. You've got the Catholic Church who has these priests that just want to help and they just want to fix things but they're coming at it from their frame of reference which is a spiritual thing rather than a health thing. So I think I'd just say that I can see why it happened. Yeah. It doesn't excuse it, but I'm not 100% convinced this was a real possession so to no, speak. I'm not either. It feels a lot like mental illness to me that was just completely not handled correctly. Yeah, no, that's what I feel as well. It'd be interesting to know what would have happened if she didn't belong to a religious family, if they weren't the sort of people to go and seek out the Catholic Church's help. Like, what would what would have been their next step, you know? Yeah. Your mental facilities back then? Um, you know, would they have been more likely to defer to doctors and put her into a facility or something like that, you know? It's just that, you know, they had faith in the Catholic Church. We see it time and time again, you know, people they put their faith in their religion and the people that you know are supposed to lead them and sometimes that's a good thing sometimes that's not a good thing and in this case I just definitely think she was in the wrong hands at the time so
1: yeah and I definitely think and also she was from an era where they didn't have the same knowledge that they have now no definitely yeah I think if anything she would have probably been used as a case study
0: yeah well it's, it's interesting because like the catholic church really sounds like they didn't want anything to do with it but those priests who are actually involved they really really wanted you know to be involved in it so yeah it's hard to know where that sort of fell and obviously when charges were laid i'm sure that the catholic church would have just been nope <laughs> nope we had nothing to do with it wasn't us so yeah so yeah, it's an interesting case anyway, and um, yeah. I just I just feel really sorry for her and her family yeah. suffering. Oh, essentially she basically died over ten months. You know, really, really long death, which was was would have been awful,
1: yeah, totally awful, very awful.
0: But anyway, let us know what you think, and uh, do you think that Annalise was possessed? Listen to the recording, see what you think. Um, definitely they are pretty scary, but yeah, not not the scariest thing I've ever heard. I think back to our Enfield poltergeist haunting um episode and that man voice that comes through that little girl definitely more scary (laughs) but yeah i'll leave
1: it up to everyone else to listen
0: yeah yeah we won't make you (laughs) all right let us know what you think and we'll see you all next time bye bye